Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. And I'm a little subdued. I'm still a little bit under the weather, especially over the, after the last big week of happenings in and around uh, college football and Ohio State football in particular. And that's why I've got my uh, my expert on the scene here, Boston I know you know him as Austin. I know him as Boston Ward. Austin, by the way, uh, welcome back from the Big Apple, my man. Thank you. It was a busy weekend. This beat never stops, man. You covered the Big Apple to the core. That's what <laughs> I'd like to tell you right now. I know. I mean, when you've got uh, two guys who are finalists for the Heisman Trophy, and, of course, uh, you know, Ohio State's uh, guys were flying all over the country, or not all, all over the east part of the country yeah. this weekend. And, uh, you know, it's just, just – uh, Awards week is a is a is a weird kind of situation. Uh, it's fun to watch from the outside, but uh, you know when when you've got guys involved, man. Especially you got to figure Justin Fields and uh, and Chase Young are pretty pretty much at the end of the candle, aren't they? They were exhausted by the time they got there, and then there's still everything you have to do for the Heisman, which all you know two different media sessions, one on Friday, one on Saturday getting dressed in these fancy suits, them taking them out on Times Square and trying to do all this other, you know, a dinner on Friday night where they're meeting all these former winners and the next day they're supposed to talk about what messages they got from, what did Doug Flutie tell you about being a great quarterback and all this other stuff. It's a whirlwind for them, especially because, as you said, they just come from Atlanta and Chase Young had won in Charlotte two days before that. Yeah. Charlotte to Atlanta to New York for him. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy week and – for fields where he's trying to also do some rehab on his knee it's not like they're bringing a training staff with him so he's got to keep up with that find times where he can you know go get on an exercise bike he said and he had you know cold compacts and ice stuff in his room so he could try and get the knee right so he can get rid of the knee brace like there's not even a lot of time for that yeah and it's uh yeah they've earned the attention and they're obviously high achieving individuals so they can handle it but man, by Saturday night they're just ready to you know get done with that, get a little bit of time off, and get back to getting ready for the Fiesta Bowl. Hey, let's hit it real quick now. Of course, we we know Joe Burrow almost like he's a little cousin or something, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, I had, I had Jim Burrow on his dad uh, after the Michigan, excuse me, after uh, LSU's win over at Texas, which I thought really propelled Joe Burrow into the Heisman race, mm-hmm. basically put him in first place. Now who's going to catch him? Well, nobody caught him and stuff. But just I don't know. I was blown away by his acceptance speech. It was no surprise that Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy, but his acceptance speech and the magnanimous gestures he made toward Ohio State when uh, a lot of people have written stories about him over the last year especially about, you know, basically portraying as Ohio State kicking him out the back door and all this stuff, which was not the way it went down. Not even uh, close. Just how impressed were you with Joe Burrow uh, being there live, so to speak, and taking it all in? It was kind of – it was neat. You know, for me to talk to him for the first time in a, in a in two years since yeah. he left, um, it's it's hard. It's not like we're going to fly down to Baton Rouge and you know get some updates about him leaving. So that was neat for me, and it to uh, I'm sure he did. The, it wasn't the most fun thing in the world to talk about breaking his hand and everything that changed that there for him. But you know, it, he was gracious in every setting, and then that speech was uh, I think unforgettable. And for those of us that have you've known him a lot longer than I have. Um, but, you know, growing up and, and everything else in Athens, it, it's not a surprise to people who've covered him. He's as smart as they come, great sense of humor, but also, you know, a, an emotional guy, wears yeah. it on his sleeve um, for the good, usually the good and sometimes the bad, but on Saturday night it was certainly positive. Um, from the Ohio State perspective, they, did, they didn't do anything to try and claim that as a win. It's not like they're putting a – a replica of the trophy in the Woody because or maybe one leg yeah, of it. Yeah, because he just because he has a, a degree. They didn't try to beat their chest over that one bit, but Joe Burrow gave them the credit, and Mickey Marotti was there. Ryan Day was there. Uh, Marotti, I think, yeah, obviously he's closer with that strength coach. The three years of helping develop him 
when he showed up at Ohio State, he was not ready to be a Heisman winner. When he left, I still don't think he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so LSU deserves a lot of credit for that. But the physical de- development and the credit he gave, even in the speech repeatedly to Ohio State, that meant a lot. Uh, I talked to Ryan Day really briefly before he got into a, uh, you know, a, a black uh, limo van to take them back to the airport and come back to Columbus, <laughs> and it really it touched him. It was a special night. Uh, for Ohio State, certainly it was for for Joe Burrow, but yeah, um, you know, three out of the top six, and then half of a little bit of a claim to the winner. Yeah, you know, uh, you and I touched on this last week when we were talking, and uh, and I predicted that the the order was going to be Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Chase Young <laughs> because of the shaving effect that was Justin Fields, right. Chase Young, and J.K. Dobbins, and you know. Uh, but Jalen Hurts barely beat Justin Fields anyway for second place. Now it was a distant second. It's kind of like Secretariat <laughs> in the uh, in the Belmont Stakes. You yeah, know, I don't know who finished second in that race. Exactly. I'm not sure there were any horses, other horses in that race. But <laughs> but I digress. The bottom line is, you know, they took a you gotta you gotta figure they took away from each other a little bit in that regard. But it's still what an honor for uh, Justin Fields and Chase Young to make the top four. Chase Young, a defensive lineman, one of only what nine who've ever been invited to the final, and on the final list and stuff. But uh, just what's your take? Like mine was that they would kind of there would be a little bit of a cancel out each other to a certain extent. Yeah, I thought that the the toughest guy or the man out there would be J.K. Dobbins, and that I I still kind of thought Fields and Young would both be on a number of ballots as second and third. Uh, I didn't. You you nailed it with Hurts. I, I didn't. In my mind, I'd kind of ruled him out for several weeks, especially after that, that loss to Kansas State and the turnovers he had in big games. But yeah. whatever. I mean, um, <laughs> it's it's a the tribute to Ohio State there is the first program ever with an offensive guy and a defensive guy in New York. And you look at you know the first place votes. If if those had been the tying deciding factor, Chase Young had more uh, than Hurts and Fields there. Yeah, uh, a pretty remarkable achievement there. Even as you said, if it's way way back, I think the number was 20 for Chase Young uh, in first place. Doesn't even come close to Joe Burrow. But um, I, you know, I I look at some of these ballots, and it's just weird because so when I was talking about J.K., he's obviously the third in line for Ohio State players finished that way. But he was also hurt by people that continue to put Jonathan Taylor above him, and that could have changed this whole vote around too. <laughs> he has yet another chip to put so, on his shoulder. So I don't. I'm not going to get too worked up over it. But as you said, I mean these guys don't like losing. Yeah. Um, Chase Young, I don't think had any expectation when I talked to him that he would win. He was really happy to be there. It was not a goal. He said that he wrote down with Coach Jay when he arrived on campus, Larry Johnson. Well, what defensive player yeah, would? How yeah. could you? So I, that was all gravy for him. And I think Justin Fields was was kind of okay with it because he's now expecting that he'll be back next year. But you're talking about all three of those guys, but especially J.K. Yeah. They will want to prove, especially if they get on the same field with Joe Burrow in New Orleans. Yeah. The interesting thing is uh, – Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa probably were the top two uh, headed into yeah. the season, mm-hmm. and neither one of them were there, obviously. But uh, getting somehow back to that, Tua still got a first place vote. That wasn't you, was it? No, it was not me. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you my ballot now. All right, I, so I wanted to, you know, I so promise. Start I would, with number three. Yeah, I voted for the Heisman. I'm voting the Heisman now for the what thirty fifth, thirty sixth straight time since eighty four. And my top three were number one, Joe Burrow. That's O W. Joe Burrow. <laughs> uh, number two was Justin Fields. And number three was Chase Young. Yeah. And <clears throat> I I am I I'm a firm believer that there are great players all over the field in college football that play different positions. And uh the, but this idea <clears throat> and I really have admired the way Chase Young has played, especially this year in the big games, et cetera. But the reason quarterbacks always almost always get the uh benefit of the doubt is not that's not even true. I don't have any doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I think the most important player on any field, on any great team, is the quarterback mm-hmm. because uh, he touches the ball every play. But not only that, the thing that's different about a quarterback from a defensive end or a linebacker or a cornerback like Charles Woodson was, you know, he did play some offense too that year when he won it. Mm-hmm. The quarterback, when everything else falls apart on a play, a great quarterback like Joe Burrow – and Justin Fields, 
<clears throat> and you're going to see Trevor Lawrence, too, coming up in a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can still make something happen good for their team. We saw Justin Fields repeatedly the last three games of the year pull something out of his hat on third down, even when oh, he was man. running on – uh, a Hulk bad yep. a bad leg against Wisconsin. He ran the ball some, right. but he also you know he had he had some great plays rolling out, getting away from pressure when when uh, Ohio State was having trouble handling pressure and stuff. My point is those guys are the ultimate difference makers in big games, and without a doubt, Chase Young is a force on the football field, uh, just like Indomitian Sue was a force on the football field. But your quarterback scoring points is the ultimate. Mm-hmm. Uh, prize, uh, the ultimate goal, and uh, and I just think quarterbacks, especially in this age where you ask so much of them to run and throw in college football, it you know that's still the MVP of a team and the MVP usually of the nation. The way I look at it, yeah. and uh, that's why I went with two quarterbacks and then defensive end Chase Young. It's no slam at all on Chase Young. <laughs> no, it is. He was number three on my ballot for the Heisman Trophy. I were I didn't even have a consideration for him at all when the season started. I thought he was going to maybe run away with a couple of defensive awards, but that's the way I look at it is the quarterback all on his own can avoid rush, avoid tackles and score a touchdown running the ball yep. if he has to. And that's what uh sets quarterbacks apart in my mind because I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of talk going on out there this past week especially about well uh, you know, A, B, C, and D, you know, they don't even have a chance. I well, they got a chance, but you're not looking at football realistically. And football realistically is the guy with the ball in his hands. <laughs> is the most important guy. Is the, the most important yeah. guy on the field. And that's why running backs won it a lot way back when, because that was back when running backs ruled the roost with, you know, 30, 25, 35, 35 yeah. 40 carries a game. Ricky Williams, for example, you know, uh, uh, Eddie George. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a different age now. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, what's your take on that. I think I I came around on this a little bit uh, last week, last couple weeks. I, I've been, as you know, been talking about this on your show and in other shows dating back to September that Chase Young needed to merit con- serious consideration, and it was a little bit of a, you know, I wanted to shine a spotlight on him, and I think he deserved it, and it was a dark horse thing. I agree. Didn't think that he would win, but I thought getting to New York was an achievement. And I, I agree. I used. I, I would have thought until, um, let's say before the Michigan game or maybe after it. Uh, I know the impact of him, but with the stats and you know just the way he finished, I knew he wasn't going to win, and it was going to be tougher to put him number one ahead of Burrow. And at that point, I was you know recognizing or starting to think, what would Ohio State look like if Justin Fields didn't exist? Yeah. They would still be very good on defense. Yes. Chase Young is special. They would still be probably a pretty good offense, depending on how Matthew Baldwin or Tate Martell, but probably not Tate Martell, depending on how they, you know, per, you know, or even Chris Chuganoff, yeah, how they developed at quarterback. J.K. Dobbins would make them a, a successful offense and it'd be a little bit more old school uh, than what you know Ryan Day might have wanted. Justin Fields lived up to that reputation as the highest rated recruit in school history. I thought it would take him some time. It did not. From week one through week 13, he changed the ceiling for Ohio State. Yes. And even when he was injured. So I I had thought all along if I had a vote, which I haven't since I moved to Ohio, now eight years without one. Uh, so it's, it's easier for me to kind of talk about these candidates maybe throughout the course of it when I know I'm not going to be voting. I thought I would have put Chase Young – uh, if not number one, because Joe Burrow, I think, deserves that that win and earned it, uh, that I would have him as – I would have Chase Young ahead of the other Buckeyes of those three. But the end of the year really changed my thinking. Well, you remember that. what I what I told you on this podcast, and I, you and I were just talking too about it. I mean, uh, the, the last three games of the year, in my opinion, the, the, the gauntlet they ran were set up to showcase Justin Fields more than Chase Young. Yeah, it was. And and that's the way it played out. I mean, and, you know, and when he came back in after getting hurt in that Michigan game and then <clears throat> scrambled out to the left and threw that touch, that was a Heisman moment. You know, he needed about a few more of those, uh, <laughs> but it didn't happen. But, you know, it's funny because I <clears> – <throat> Twitter's a weird place. It is. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I, I have noticed. By the way, people said I'd do this, too, but that's just the way I, you know, 
touch you too much. We, that's the way I. That's the way I operate. That's, uh, it's it's not like, it's not like you only do it on camera. So right, I'm, right. I'm, well, see, I grew up in a in a house with three brothers, you know, and uh, and my mom talked a lot and stuff. We were always trying to get the other people's yeah. attention, so that's what you did. <laughs> you know, I think that's what the root of it is. But uh, uh, but the bottom line was, I, I I tweeted something well after the Heisman Trophy ceremony was because I thought the right guy won the Heisman Trophy without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But somebody had put up a chart, one of these <clears throat> analytical groups had put up a chart and said these were the quarterbacks with 40 or more touchdown passes in a season that rated them you know and uh, it was 17 and I looked through it like seven times I'm going wait a minute there's a guy missing here (laughs) you know his name's Justin Fields a guy who completed what 202 of 302 passes uh, with one interception has 40 touchdown passes 50 Touchdowns, touchdowns he's responsible yep. for he's four away from i think four away from Dwayne haskin jr uh His big re- 10 record obviously ohio state record of touchdowns responsible for headed into these last two games possibly mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh so i put up this tweet going wait a minute what am i missing here and i gave his stats and of course then the the, the organization put up that yeah, tweet disappeared deleted it yeah. so everybody thought i was like making some kind of comment about why his stats meant he deserved to win the Heisman over Joey Joe Burrow and that's not what case because Joe Burrow had a season for the ages man yeah. and uh as far as the SEC is concerned with all the records he set and yet Joe Burrow played deeper in the games because he had to yep. agreed uh Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins stats would have J.K. Dobbins probably would have broken 2,000 yards he's, he's easily the, he's the big loser in that and yeah and I, when I talked today outside the theater on Saturday night he again you know, he was not trying to take anything away from Joe Burrow. He would never do that. Yeah, but he again said, "Imagine what these guys could have done if they got to play full games." Right. And I, th- you know, I was saying, "What? Oh, this is so great for J.K. He's finished sixth. And like, well, he's not going to be happy about it. And you're going to add probably 200 yards at least, maybe two or three more touchdowns to Dobbins' total. And if your Fields, I mean, look at his his passing yardage." It's way down there, and they yeah. didn't because they didn't need him to do it. Twenty nine hundred yards, plus yeah. a J.K. Dobbins. So, like, you know, th- that could have easily been different. And I wonder what would have happened if if Ohio State's defense had been like twenty eighteen. Yeah, and both of those guys played four quarter games. Exactly, that race might have been over. The, the debate might have been who's the winner, Justin Fields or J.K. Dobbins. Then again, Dwayne Haskins Jr. threw fifty touchdown yeah, passes last year. Well, of he was. I, I really think that Dwayne even finishing third was. I voted him number one. A little last bit year. of a snub last yeah, year. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. I voted him number one last year. I thought he, I mean, I just watched the greatest passing season in Ohio State history in Big Ten history. Yeah. That's that says a lot to me. You know, just you know, Justin Fields did not have the greatest passing season or touchdown pass season thank you Dwayne Haskins Jr. <laughs> you know I mean so standards go you know now you're going to judge SEC quarterbacks by Joe the Joe Burrow bar you know and uh and granted uh let's move on from that yeah. though uh uh Jeff Halfley mm. you know we all knew it was possible we all knew it was coming you broke the news uh you and John what John Bryce, John Bryce yep. uh broke the news late Friday night ruined a lot of I think other <laughs> sports writers probably evenings out in in New York City but y'all you know once again Letterman Row breaks the news on something big but uh just what's your take real quick Halfley going to BC is that a good call by Jeff Halfley I I've been on the record for about a week or so that 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 there would be better jobs for Jeff Halfley I thought that especially early last week that there was some momentum momentum that he would pass on that and uh, wait for a better opportunity, spend another year making a million dollars with the Buckeyes and, and then see what happened a year from now. Um, I think, you know, Martin Jarman came back with a little bit more financial commitment and uh, help for the support staff and everything else, and that, that won him over. We'll see. I, I think Boston College, in my estimation, is a pretty average to below average job, and I wouldn't want it. Um, now, I would take the salary. I would say average. I would say average because they – They've had some success in you know. I think a lot, as, as John Cooper sure. used to say, you take a you take when you go for a job, you take the uh, press guide and you look through, <laughs> and you look forget about everything else in the press guide. You look through the results section, and they've had some decent seasons. Let's put it that way, yeah. some really good seasons. Yes, yeah. but it's it's so much has been made about Halfley's recruiting ties in the Northeast. Well, 
that's not exactly the greatest place to go recruit anyway, even if you're good at number it. Number one, and number two, you're going to have to leave the Northeast to have – If you're going to win. To go get some to go get some if, players. If you're gonna, I'm uh, with you. If you're going to knock Clemson off of the top <laughs> spot, you're not going to do it by recruiting the Northeast. Yeah. You're alone. Yeah. Um, so even – and even if he has success there, you know, Boston College is not just fighting anymore against – other teams in the Northeast, Ohio. He's going to be competing directly against Ohio State. If he's going back into New Jersey, Greg Schiano's there now, and he's going to try and and keep some of those prospects oh, yeah. in the state. Oh yeah, it's a tough. The battle I, I has just, been joined. I just think Boston College is a a tough place to win. He can get them to a bowl game every year, but they just showed when they got rid of Steve Adazio that that's no longer good enough for them. That they have higher aspirations yeah. than winning seven games, and that's fine. But you need to also understand how difficult that can be annually at Boston College. I don't when it's when this happened with Chris Ash at Rutgers or whether it's happened Jeff for Jeff Halfley right now. Jeff Halfley is a great coach, and if any, and I think he has a chance to succeed. And I don't fault anyone for taking a guaranteed ten or fifteen million dollar payday and being set for the rest of your life, especially if you're a great defensive coordinator. And as Chris Ash is proving right now, that you can get right back in the profession down the road. But I, I knew there was a butt coming. I thought there would be a better opportunity for him. I don't. It, it's that's his call. Yeah. Well, here's here's the way. I mean, I look at it. We're gonna have, I'm gonna have Bermanology on here to talk about. Obviously, the I don't know if it's early signing day. This is actually the real signing day. It really anymore. is now. Yeah. And the uh, the the one in February and then is the adjunct. Bonus. Yeah. yeah. The adjunct <laughs> signing day. Uh, to maybe add a couple of guys, but you know, but I'm going to talk to him about you know just a little touch on that a little bit about the he has some thoughts about the that. struggle, the challenge of recruiting to the Northeast <laughs> in any kind of football program. Uh, but I digress. You know, the thing about Halfley, and you know this, <clears throat> man, you know he won the interview. <laughs> I mean, oh, for sure, this guy, and he. He he can think on his feet like few people. I mean, you know, here I am stammering and hemming and hawing. I've got a podcast going, right? <laughs> but he can think on his feet like few people. You know, he won the interview. And it reminds me of when Walt Harris took the pit job. He was the offensive coordinator. Uh, well, he was a quarterback's coach, passing game coordinator, and co-offensive coordinator at Ohio State. And he took the pit job, I think it was in 97, the year after Ohio State won the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, he had – kind of revamped the Ohio State passing game, gave, gave a new way of thinking, et cetera, uh, I think when he showed up in 94 or 95. I, I'm, I think it was 95. And uh, talk about showing up when <laughs> there, there are bright red apples on the tree. That's what he did, you know. But uh, bottom line is he told me in taking the uh, pit job uh, is you could schedule three wins. They were in the Big East then. Mm-hmm. He said, "Then you had Temple, and uh, you had Temple and uh, and Rutgers on your schedule. So that's five wins. You can almost immediately have. All you got to do is beat one other team. And you're, in. you're not you're not supposed to maybe, or you're even with, mm-hmm. and you're in a bowl game. And then his point was, it was a stepping stone. Yeah. Do you see this? Here's the thing about Boston College. Anybody, we're sitting here, and Dabo Sweeney's been pulling his hair out." about why his team is deserving, but the reason people are saying your team isn't as deserving as others this year is because of the league you're in. Exactly. So Halfley is going to a league where I think you can make hay yeah. in a couple, three years pretty quickly. Yeah, you're right about that. And if he can go eight and four a couple times. Wait, let me interrupt. Boston College is in the Atlantic Coast Conference, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Um, if he can go eight and four a couple times – he's still going to have an opportunity to get a bigger job. And maybe he's just really ready to get into it. I don't think Jeff Halfley's career is going – his head coaching career is going to end at Boston College. Uh, and if he hit, and if he wins at a really high level, which still I think the ceiling is, is nine wins, I don't see Boston College as ever being an ACC championship caliber. And, and maybe Jeff Halfley will prove me wrong on that front. Uh, that's just my, my take on that place and their limitations with their roster – We'll see what Jeff. The first has. guy to uh, the first guy to congratulate Joe Burrow after he made his stirring speech the other night was Doug Flutie, <laughs> 1984 Heisman Trophy winner from Boston College. Yeah. Go ahead now. Well, that but again, like think how much college football has changed since 1984. <laughs> um, hey, but you get a damn good quarterback, I'm, I'm not man. Here to, I'm not here to pile on Boston College. <laughs> I know, I know, and I, and I love Jeff Halfley, I and, and I go back to I don't, I don't remember if I, I mean, we turned to each other. Was that his first? press conference on signing day last in February. Yeah. And we said, you know, damn. That I think my exact quote was damn. I, 
and I wrote as soon as we left there, like that was just like Ryan Day's first press conference. Yes, that guy's got it. So yes, you don't always know it. What you know how to describe it, but you knew he was going to be a head coach someday. Yeah, and he didn't want to wait, and that's that's absolutely fine. Uh, it's the as Berm will say later on in your podcast, the timing's not a deal ideal for a couple of perspectives, but that doesn't matter. It's going to happen, and the way the recruiting calendar in the college football playoff works now, if you're an elite program, you're going to deal with this every year. Clemson is doing the same thing with Jeff Scott heading out. Both programs in this game are having to deal with the same thing. Alabama, when they're in there, Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin. Uh, it, this is just the way it works. Yeah, Clemson's losing Jeff Scott. Well, like, you, yeah. you know, yeah, and that's 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 it. You know, yeah, uh, it happened with Tom Herman. It happened with Luke Fickle. Those guys can still do their job. Tom Herman used it as a recruiting tool while he poured everything into it. Yeah, and didn't sleep for for four or five weeks. I did a story with Luke Fickle when he was making the transition and going down to Cincinnati. Slept, you know, sleeping two or three hours a night while trying to hire a staff and recruit, and still giving everything you have to your re- your current job. Jeff Halfley can can do that. I don't have any doubt about it. He's going to be really, really freaking tired. Yeah. But if you think he's not going to show up to coach in the Fiesta Bowl, think again. Oh yeah. I mean, just like you know. Uh, uh, but of course, uh, Nick Saban told what was it, Lane Kiffin, to yeah, take a hike. Yeah, don't you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think Lane <clears throat> Kiffin is as focused as Jeff Halfley. Yeah. Well, you never know. You know, that's just my hot take. I've covered both of them. Yeah, that's my take. Well, that's I mean, but that, but like, like you said, Ryan Day lives in this world. Yeah. He understands the allure of being a head coach somewhere. Do you turn it down just for three? For so you can concentrate for three weeks. You can't do that. No. You know, and these these jobs. There's only 130 of them in major college football, and really, you know, it's Power Five. There's only what? How many Power Five schools? Uh, Seventy five yeah. or something yeah. like that. You you don't turn it down when it comes knocking. Right. Real quick. Who do they replace him with? Obviously, Chris Ash has been gobbled up now by Texas and Tom Herman, who's yeah. revamping his almost his entire staff. Uh, uh, there was a conversation uh, between Ryan Day and Chris Ash, I believe, early Saturday. Uh, touched base on that. I don't think that Day anticipated that was ever going to be a fit. Yeah. But the guy's available and he has the experience. Um, he, I was told by some people. Uh, I didn't remember this, but Ash was really involved in a round before the Rose Bowl last year, even though he was still working with Rutgers, yeah. gave some feedback there. So he continued to have uh, ties to Ohio State, but I don't need to dive any further into that because he's not coming. Um, the guy, there there could be a return. We'll see what Kerry Combs wants to do. Uh, Ohio State is 100% on board and all in to try and bring him back. There uh, have already been phone calls going back and forth there. Um the support of the administration all the way up to Gene Smith is on board. Uh, it's what Letterman Resources are telling us, that to, whatever the financial commitment needs to be, to be to get him back from the Tennessee Titans, they will do it. Uh, so the ball is going to be in Kerry Combs' court. They want him to be uh, involved. They, they want him to take the job, but they're also looking into how quickly, while he's still working for the Titans and while Jeff Halfley is on staff, they could have him working the phones as a recruiter. Yeah, that's how far along and how confident they are at this point. These things we've covered, you've covered this for a long, long time. So have I. Uh, these things, even when they look like they're done or close, a million things can still of happen. Of course, yeah. But right now, all all Sides. attention is on Kerry Combs. Yeah, uh, real quick. Because I got Bermanology waiting in the wings, and he's warming up. <clears throat> no, he's, uh, he's. I think he's putting new, more gas into his uh, into his tank because we've been talking so much. Uh, but uh, well, you didn't have the clock out. Is this the today? last Sorry. Ohio State, in your opinion, the last Ohio State assistant to leave the roost from this current from this 2019 <sighs> coaching staff? Uh, are the other nine going to be back in 2020? I think there's a possibility that the movement is not done. And who are you looking at there? I think that there is an opportunity. Wait a minute, drum roll, please. Well, there's a there's a number of things. I, I don't want to ruin anyone's aspirations, but you know, if, if Boston College and Jeff Halfley want to make Washington an offer to be a defensive coordinator. Al Washington Jr. Yeah, that, that Al Washington Jr., then that, that could be an option. Um, after – the disappointment for Tony Alford not getting the Colorado State job. Uh, he's got to look and make a decision about what he wants to do with his career. And I've had this conversation with him, as a number of people have. He's making, I think, $600,000 to be a running backs coach at Ohio State. It is a great job. 
He wants to be a head coach someday, and when he came up short against Colorado State, this is the second time it's happened to him. That's his alma mater. The message he gets he gets good feedback on it because he knows the people there, and they say, "Yeah, you haven't been a coordinator yeah. before." At I don't know, you know, that's that's going to be a choice he has to make. There's still places around the country trying to fill out a staff. Does does he want to make that leap because he wants to be a head coach, or does he stay at Ohio State because he's comfortable and he's got a great job? Um, I think he's that's most likely what I expect, but. I don't want to say 100% that there's no more changes coming because there are still going to be more dominoes falling. What typically – you don't typically see this ever happening for Ohio State now. You don't have guys leaving for lateral jobs, um, lateral moves, trying to add titles. You're either you're, you're either going to be nudged out the door yeah, or you're going to be a head coach somewhere. Yeah. So I would tend to think Al Washington and Tony Alford would still be on Ohio State staff throughout this recruiting process into next year. But they, they will be thinking about what they want their career to yeah. look like. And by the way, you left out one other caveat, or or an NFL-type yeah, job. Right, because I mean, yeah, uh, that's what happened with Kerry Combs. Yeah, exactly, and Mike Vrabel, yeah. <laughs> for example. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Boston, you call him Austin Ward. Thanks for coming on once again. I mean, I really enjoy these talks with Boston because, as you know, he is quite tuned in to the Ohio State frequency when it comes to covering things that are going on. Well, you sharpen it for me. That's comings what... <laughs> comings and goings from the Ohio State University football program. And uh, and once again, I enjoyed your coverage of the Heisman Trophy stuff over the weekend Thank in you. New York City. You took a real big bite out of the Big Apple, <laughs> and we always appreciate that. You know, we're going to come back in a moment after a word from our sponsor, and I'm going to have on the uh, inimitable Jeremy Birmingham uh, you know him as Bermanology. I know him as Frenchy now. But uh, <laughs> we we're going to talk. Like I said, signing day is this week. The real signing day is this week. Boy, have things changed in college football. But we're also going to delve a little bit into, you know, the uh, dynamics of that. And also, for example, here's Jeff Halfley. He's a brand-new head coach at Boston <laughs> College. You know, man, he really better get on the phone, Gotta right? Get moving. <laughs> yeah. Humana, humana, humana. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, think about that. You're trying to build a program, and you pretty much have lost. You lost this the entire year. Yeah. It's, they, Although, I'm not sure how many guys they were going to sign in this early date because a lot of these schools kind of stick around to that yeah. second time after the, after the, the uh, after the five stars, flotsam and jetsam has fallen from uh, some of the other major schools around the country, and they pick up uh, the next stuff. Right, but, uh, but you know we'll be back in a moment to talk with Jeremy Birmingham. Uh, like I said, par excellence when it comes to recruiting. Right after this. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're back, uh, and joining me now is Jeremy Birmingham. Oof, a little you know, magic trick. Actually, his nickname's not Bermanology. That's more of his calling, right, is well, a Bermanology. I, I mean, that just happens to rhyme with terminology, and my name is Berm. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I just combined the two in some sort of magic uh, word salad. A potion. A delicious word salad. A potion. Uh, 
I, I know you now as Frenchy because of the way you uh, admire the way I oui, pronounce oui. Javante Jean-Baptiste. Oui, oui. That's actually because of the way that Austin pronounces Nicolas Petit Frere. Yeah, yeah, Frere. I, 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 took, I took two years of French in high school, so I know it's Frere. And uh, yeah. there's not a lot of things that I know more than Austin, but I do know French. I bet he says al- aluminum, aluminum, too. Uh, what no do you doubt, think? Yeah, no Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but of course, we both digress. Uh, this 2020 class – I mean, Jack Miller's been committed since what? Uh, Eighteen months, uh, June of twenty eighteen. No, but yeah, I was going. I was going to make something funnier oh, than that. Oh, but, I don't uh, believe in humor. Exactly, Tim. fun uh, is not in my DNA. A lot of these guys were recruited by Urban Meyer to begin with yeah. and stuff. Uh, just what what impresses you most about this twenty twenty class, which signs on Wednesday? That's the that's the my opinion. The real signing day. Now you agree, right? I mean, unfortunately, it is the the December. But it was expected too, right? Yeah, the December signing period is turned into signing day. It's not. It's a three day window that everyone you know you can sign on Friday if you want, but everyone will sign on Wednesday. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it speaks to the fact that a lot of these kids really hate this process because if even two years ago it was always oh I'm gonna wait till February to make my decision blah blah but like now it's like oh I can make it earlier sweet let me get this over yeah. with ASAP uh, and that's great for the kids in a lot of situations it's also terrible for the kids who are three star prospects around the country who are being forced into a, a signing day situation with classes uh, you know that maybe they're, they're waiting for a bigger offer that maybe they would get it in January if they wait but they're playing this this game yeah you know and then you have they're not the only ones playing the game no I mean yeah. The, the schools are obviously doing that as well, and the, the schools are are putting the kids in a position. The kids are putting the schools in a position where they're saying, "Hey, if I don't sign now, I'm not signing." Um, you have what you and Austin talked about with Jeff Halfley situations like that. I don't believe Jeff Halfley, if he had his druthers, would have chosen to have this information come out right now. But I, Boston College had to have this information come out right now. Boston College had to be able to tell its recruits, "Hey, we have a coach." This is who it is. But, you know, today we're, we're filming this on Monday, right? Two right. days before the signing day period begins. It's a recruiting dead period. None of these kids that are going to sign with Boston College on Wednesday can meet Jeff Halfley yeah. unless he happened to be on campus with them on Saturday or Sunday uh, in Boston. So it's a really weird situation. I don't love the early signing period for a lot of reasons. Uh, I, I personally think there should be an early signing period in, like, August and then February as opposed to December, February, because this yeah. makes no sense. But not only that, but I look at Ohio State. <clears throat> it's 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 not even – it's barely a week removed from the Big Ten Championship yeah. game. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, putting myself in Ryan Day's head right now, must be like being like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz when the tornado just picked up the house. Yeah, I mean, crazy. Yeah. Spencer I mean, and I talked about that on Talking Stuff uh, last week. And I think that there needs to be some sort of concession made by the NCAA when it comes to teams playing – in a conference championship game to say, hey, we're going to give you three days back because Ohio State lost an entire week of recruiting. Right. And all of a sudden, uh, those extra couple days where Ryan Day could have sat down and talked to somebody in person uh, may be pretty helpful if he could have those today and tomorrow uh, to, to fly out to California and talk to Clark Phillips or somebody who's concerned about Jeff Havley's departure. So, you know, there, there's, there's a loss of time and – you know, people may see it and say, "Oh, well, that's only one week. Who cares?" Maybe that's maybe that's the NCAA's uh, uh, way of uh, <coughs> trying to create parity. Uh, Is <laughs> handicap the real big time, uh, the big time uh, overachieving schools? Yeah, because the Buckeyes, I'm just joking. No, of the Buckeyes lose that week. And, <laughs> they and do. That's uh, you now have an opp- or you now have a, a reason. Like, what would the value of that getting those couple days back be? Yeah, and you're looking at that today because Ryan Day having the opportunity to go back out west and talk to Lathan Ransom and talk to Clark Phillips and go back to Muskegon. Berm, let me let me interrupt you there, though. Please do, because well, I will ramble. You're Ohio State. You're playing in the college football playoff. You've just won your third straight Big Ten championship. What, what do you have to say to those guys that you haven't already <clears throat> said to them that would convince them that, man, if you show up at Ohio State, you got a chance to really – I mean, they just had two guys you know, at the Heisman it, Trophy it's Finals. It, it's a great question. They have, you know, four Buckeyes in the top six of the Heisman, essentially. Right. But, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for Ryan Day in a living room to be on a phone call with a potential uh, coaching replacement who happens to be on speakerphone and I'm talking with you. to Ryan. I mean, there's yeah. there's opportunities for, for phone calls to be made and, yeah. and ways for the Buckeyes to put forward, like, hey, this is our plan. And right now, 
this is the thing. Uh, well, I know you, you and Austin talked about the halfway thing extensively, but the reason this timing is so bad, there are 14 kids in the Ohio State class of 2020 who are planning on enrolling early at Ohio State in, in just three weeks, right? 14, man. Three of those guys are defensive backs who have been committed to Jeff Halfley for a year, yeah. six months. Their entire future was banking on walking into Columbus on, on, June, on January 7th or 8th and being coached by Jeff Halfley, even though they all knew it was probably only going to be for one year. Right? Yes. So that's, that's the other thing. The Buckeyes are saying, hey, you, were, you knew he was going to be here only one more year. Why is this a big deal? But it is a big deal to kids who are packing up their lives and moving across the country. Because they're they not only it's not only the kids, but it's the mom and moms right. and dads. It's the coaches that they play for who can point to like how the Ohio State defensive secondary, for example, is a ridiculous how it's flipped right. from a year ago at this time. I was surprised they even signed anybody a year ago at this time. But <laughs> you know, I mean, the way the way no. the secondary played in a lot of respects, the way the defense played, and it's this this conversation point that people on you know Twitter, the social media world will constantly harp on it and say, oh, you, you're supposed to be committing to a school, not a coach. That is the way they sound, by the way, the right? people that say that. Yeah, that, that is <laughs> that's social media guy voice. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, hey, buddy, you're supposed to commit to a school, not yeah. a coach, buddy. Yeah, well, but, unless, but the, unless they get somebody from somewhere else. Right, but here's the deal. Like, the coach that you're talking to for that entire year – Yeah is the coach you're talking to for that entire year. Exactly. So, you know, and here's an area where Ryan Day, uh, you know, people ask a lot of questions about the difference between Urban Meyer and Ryan Day. One area where Ryan Day's approach is significantly different than Urban Meyer is that Ryan Day has been very involved with each of these recruits since they committed, okay? Yeah. Whereas Urban, towards the end of his tenure especially, really didn't get involved until it was signing day. Or until there was a, a oops, I crap my pants moment, right? Like, yeah. Like, like a, oh, no, bad things are coming. Let's get the boss man involved, right? Yeah. Ryan Day has been intimately involved in getting to know the kids, getting to know their families, their aunts, their girlfriend's name, their dog name and genus, whatever. You yes. Know? So he's a little different uh, than Urban in that respect. And I think that that's why, as Buckeye fans are freaking out over the weekend after Halfway, that's why – Four of those five defensive backs that have committed are already saying, hey, I'm fine, things are good, I'm signing on Wednesday, and then we have the Clark Phillips yeah. uh, uncertainty. But that's that's the one. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move forward now because we know most of these guys, like you say, are signing. Uh, the two guys I've really got my eye on, well, I've got my eye on a bunch of these guys, but uh, uh, Jack Miller has been out, like we said. Uh, he, the quarterback is a big, big and, signee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, my big question is, where would Jack Miller, Miller be three years from now <laughs> with the portal as it is? You know, that is the question because Jack Miller obviously is crazy not, man. May, yeah, and he's likely not to be the only quarterback in this class, and that's where things get really interesting this week for Ohio State and for Georgia and Michigan and anybody else trying to sign C.J. Stroud, the second-ranked quarterback in the country. He's going to announce on Wednesday where he's going, and he spent his weekend in Columbus, yeah, uh, making his final official visit to Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes are going to sign him, and so that's why Ryan Day jetted to New York and jetted back. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, C.J. Stroud is making his visit, uh, and Ryan Day has to leave after spending Friday night worrying about the Jeff Halfway stuff. Ryan Day then had to leave. Uh, yeah. So, so if you want to know the power of Ohio State, if C.J. Stroud ends up signing with the Buckeyes after all that, uh, it's a pretty good indicator that the program is is in pretty good shape. But Jack Miller is a player that has been a a, a lightning rod. Uh, of some, there he has very ardent defenders, and he has a lot of people who think that he is uh, overhyped and overrated and can't stay healthy. And I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. Uh, well, I think he got banged up. I mean, the video I've watched of him when he's Jack, playing, yeah, he's he a, can play, man. Jack is a really, really excellent passer. He can flat play, uh, yeah. And I know that Ryan Day first saw him in the summer of 2017. Yeah. And he kind of instantly catapulted up the board and became like that guy because yeah. they, they already had their 2018, 2019 ideas of where they were going. Yeah. And Jack Miller, just the way that he throws the football, if he has time to throw, which, you know, in the college game, you hope you can keep your quarterback upright. He did not have that luxury uh, at uh, Chaparral High School in Scottsdale, Arizona this year. He right. was running around like a chicken with his head cut off most of the time. Right, like a chaparral. Whatever that is. And uh, what is a chaparral? Uh you know what? I, I knew you were going to call me on that. I thought yeah. Chaparral was like a little 
Uh, no, hey, maybe Tim doesn't may, know what a chaparral maybe I'm, is. Maybe buddy. I'm thinking Roadrunner. I'm thinking Roadrunner. Because yeah. Angelina College, where I first went to college in Lufkin, Texas, was the Roadrunners, but I think it's a little. Let's just assume. It's a little wingless bird or flightless bird. Let's just assume. Well, I mean, their, their nickname <laughs> is the Firebirds, so. Yeah. I don't know that they would be the Bird Firebirds. Yeah. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, yeah. But let's just assume that Tim doesn't know what a chaparral is. Yeah, I don't. I uh, thought I did, and all of a sudden I drew a blank. But you got to remember, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'm did 60, anybody ever think about what would happen if you and I were on a show by ourselves? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm we 65 years old. Not a chaparral. I'm 65 years old. I've got my excuse. Go ahead now. Uh, I personally think Jack Miller can play at Ohio State. I, I'm, I think that the Buckeyes have known for a while what he can do uh, if he's healthy and, yeah. and protected. So uh, the fact that the Buckeyes are chasing another quarterback in this class is not an indictment of Jack Miller at all. It is simply a matter of numbers in, in Columbus. And yes. a byproduct of the fact that Ohio State is one of the two or three best college football programs in America, and they are not going to intentionally recruit a player who sucks yeah. or who they don't think can compete with Jack Miller for a starting quarterback job eventually. Because if they're going to do that, they may as well just skip and wait till the transfer portal. So Yeah, they've been down that route. Right, they're going to aim high. They're going to go after a guy that they think can beat out Jack Miller. And if Jack wants to be there yeah. for that, great and he's shown that he wants to and he's he's signing on Wednesday and he's enrolling early but if CJ Stroud does pick Ohio State he's also enrolling early and so all of a sudden for Buckeye fans who are looking for some reason to watch the spring game next year the idea of of Jack Miller and CJ Stroud head-to-head for most of the day while uh, Justin Fields and Gunnar Hoke hold a clipboard will sure be a lot of fun yeah it sure will uh who who passed you know the quarterback obviously the big quarterback question but uh, Paris Johnson, for example, uh, who are the guy? Who are the guys in this group? Give me like three or four that you know that you think maybe not are instant hits, but will be hits as this thing develops. Well, I mean, I can just give me four right away. Yeah. they're wide receivers, right? So all four of those wide receivers should be. I mean, you're talking about three of the top ten receivers in the country yes. in, in uh, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and G. Scott. Then you have Mookie Cooper, who is a top 15 player at his position. Did not play a senior year of high school, and so his rating kind of took a dip. But he's a he's a Rondale Moore, Wandale Robinson type player that Ohio State has not had in a couple of years. And yeah, and, you know, I think they wanted that kind of guy uh, this year. It's certainly a player that Urban Meyer would have loved to coach. Uh, but those four. All of them are enrolling early, which, again, is, is just another sign of how much college football is changing, right? Like, yes. All four of these dudes are going to be on campus in three weeks. Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and G. Scott, and Mookie Cooper are coming into a wide receiver room, and it reminds me a ton of 2014 when uh, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon were all there. That group is going to play off each other and really – uh, sort of be the barometer for success at Ohio State in the next three years. But yeah. uh, you, we can talk about those guys. They're all five-star potential players. Paris Johnson, obviously, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in the two deep uh, as a true freshman. Um, that he Again, enrolling early. Luke Whippler, who's enrolling early at the offensive line, I think is, is in a different spot because he's an interior guy and the inside of the line should be a little bit uh, deeper than yeah. the tackle situation. Trey LaRue is also enrolling early. He's a project, um, but the earlier he can get on campus and start getting his body changed by Mick Marotti, the better. Don't expect him to make an impact next year. Uh, but nobody expected Dewan Jones to make an impact this year. And no. here he was playing uh, no. four games. While yeah, I thought first day of pre- preseason practice, I thought, man, there's a project right. there. And while Ryan Jacoby didn't play at all for the Buckeyes this yeah. year. So it's, you just never really know. But, you know, outside Neat. of those guys, the other guys are the defensive backs. And that's why I don't want to keep circling back to it, but that's why this half we deal is so important. Because yeah. this is a secondary that is going to lose Jeff, uh, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, Sean Wade, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jordan Fuller, Jordan my Fuller. Brother, brother, brother. Yeah. Jordan Fuller. Um, you're losing all your starters. You're losing your 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 top guns in the secondary. Yeah, and they got Josh Proctor back though. And yeah, <laughs> I've heard that you're a fan. Uh, you know, I just like the way the guy plays. Josh Proctor is a guy that uh, Ohio State. One of the reasons why you need to get a replacement coach in here ASAP. Because this is three years, three coaches. Yeah. Sean Wade's four years, four coaches if he were to return. Yeah. Like that kind of instability, it doesn't matter 
how good the program is for the kids inside of the program. Like, we can all sit on the outside and say, oh, well, look, they're winning games, they're in the playoff, they're three straight Big Ten championships, blah, blah, blah. These kids need somebody to develop them and guide them, and uh, it, it is extremely frustrating for them to continue to have these these coaches come and go. So, all right, Now, narrow this one down to one because uh, you're, you're kind of like Boston Ward. Oh, I like to talk to you. Sometimes, I mean, you – you know, I need a. I don't need the Jim Trussell answer. I need the. I never give a Jim Trussell answer. See who would who would I say I need the answer from? I don't know. Not few people are succinct anymore. What was the biggest Bill Belichick answer? There we go. No, I don't want that either. No. I, want, I actually want a response. I'm out of Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. What in of this whole group that's signing on that signed Wednesday or signing on Wednesday? What is the one the biggest victory they had over another? Big time program to sign him. Don't give me three. Give me one. I mean, it's got to be Julian Fleming. I mean, you're talking about the best receiver in the country. Yeah. ESPN's top ranked player in the country, a top five player across everyone's board. Grew up a hour from Penn State. Was down to Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, Georgia, Alabama, and Brian Hartline won a battle that Ohio State has just not been winning. That was a setup because I wanted to ask you. I mean. Why didn't you just ask me about Julian Fleming? Well, no, I was I was going to ask you about Brian Hartline. Oh, uh, look at have, that! Have you seen a fellow? I mean, obviously, a lot, you've got to be able to recruit. Jeff Halfley's proven he can recruit. <laughs> you know, he was out of college for seven years, I think it was, but uh, before he came back. But clearly, this guy has a lot of intelligence, smarts, moxie, and also the ability to put words together. But is Brian Hartline? How has he imp- impressed you in on the recruiting trail? I'm going to say something here, and it's going to be profound, and you maybe never heard this before. But okay, wait a minute. Hang on. All right, go. You win with people. <laughs> I, I, just, yeah. I just coined that term. Uh, and <laughs> Brian Hartline. I feel like I'm watching Watchmen. Brian Hartline's an interesting guy because he is like a chameleon. And, you know, he's one of those guys that fits the, the when in Rome do as the Romans. He is very comfortable living the South Florida life that he did when he was down in Miami yes. and, and uh, you know, probably dancing the Cubano. I don't, is that a dance? I don't know. Probably not. It sounds more like something you Is that would, a sandwich? No, it sounds sounds more what, like a, uh, a a cigar. The merengue. Yeah. I, Brian Hartline is just as comfortable listening to Pitbull as he is, as he is listening to Florida Georgia Line. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I don't does anybody He's a chameleon. I mean, he yeah. literally he can roll with whatever. Yeah, and and that is huge in recruiting, especially when you're 33 or 34 years old, however old he is. Especially when you played seven years in the NFL. Especially when you played at the school that you're recruiting for. Especially when you grew up in the state of the school that you're recruiting for. Like this is a guy that gets checks it. all the boxes. Yeah, right? I mean, and some of that is is salesmanship. Some of that's the ability to sell yourself. Some of that's the ability to point to a, a result and say, hey, this is what I've already done. Be a part of this or don't. I don't care. I'm moving on without you. And one thing that Jeff Halfley showed, and uh, Brian Hartline has shown even before Halfley arrived and, and will continue to show, is that what recruits really want is someone succinct. They want someone who just gets to the point, right. tells them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, because these kids are smart enough now with social media to deal with, uh, or to figure out who's just gaming them and who yeah. is actually being real with them. and. And I think that's what Hartline really has has proven to be his strength, which is there is no BS with him. You you covered recruiting for a long time. What is it when you get into that? Like I said, we were talking earlier about uh, <clears throat> what else does Ryan Day need to tell you to convince you to show up at Ohio State? You know, I was being right. facetious to a certain extent, but what is it that, in your opinion, makes that final decision? For a kid, meaning, what what is it that convinces them that cool uniform? Alabama is the place because Alabama can only sign twenty five. Well, he's you know, yeah, come on, Alabama, or, or can, Alabama can sign as many. As they <laughs> yeah, can. but I mean, what is it in your mind that convinces them this is the school I want to go to? It all. I mean, there, uh, Spencer and I. How much have, does it come down to whimsy? Spencer, n- almost never. I mean, okay. that's the thing. You know, there's this idea that everyone is different, right? Like. But that's BS. These kids pretty much, if you're a top-tier football player in high school, you're pretty much the same as every top-tier football player in the last 20 years. Exactly. You're all looking for the same thing, which is 
winning games, winning championships, a chance to be developed and pushed onto the NFL. An opportunity. An opportunity to, to be something after football. Ohio State in the last handful of years has capitalized like nobody else ever has on the idea of life after football, and that's what they sell yeah. these kids. But there, there's a very key word in there, and that's after football because football is still the most important piece of the puzzle. So, yeah. uh, you know, for the Buckeyes – the the goal here is always, and Spencer and I have created this little acronym, CAR, right? Comfort and relationships. Like, that is it, always. And that's why if Ohio State does end up losing someone like Clark Phillips from this class by Wednesday, it's because there is now a lack of comfort in relationships. There's a, is a lack of relationships with who his position coach would be. There may be some discomfort not knowing uh, if they can trust Ohio State or Ryan Day because maybe they were told, hey, you are – Halfway's not going anywhere. We have no idea what was said in the living room last week when Halfley's out and visiting California. Yeah. So it's hard to say, oh, this kid shouldn't be upset or, or shouldn't be bothered because if, if Jeff Halfley sat there in his living room and said, I'm not leaving anywhere, I'll see you in two weeks when you arrive on campus, and then all of a sudden, 24 hours later, it's like, oh, Jeff Halfley's going you to You mean the now. Stan Drayton effect. Right, you just don't know. Yeah. And, you know, we can, we can generalize and say that, oh, kids should understand this, this is part of the business, but – yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Like people, okay. So people in relationships cheat all the time, right? Doesn't mean it feels good if it happens to you. I don't cheat, right? I I've mean, never cheated. Saying, like it's a common thing. People in relationships don't all cheat okay, all the time. I mean. It's a common yeah. thing. It happens yeah. all over the world. Yeah. But if it happens to you, I just wanted to be on the record there. If it happens to you, it still hurts, right? Yeah. So I, yeah, I think it's just a matter. It happened to me back way back when, when I was okay? dating. Are you okay? Yeah. I recovered from. It. I got married. Did, did it hurt? No, it was great. It, it did. No, I, I learned from it. What doesn't kill you? Right. What does, Norm McDonald said, one doesn't kill you, hurt you, can still hurt you really bad. <laughs> that's a good line. But, and that, uh, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing yeah. kids get hurt. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's really about comfort and relationships. And ultimately, that always drives yeah. a recruitment. And I always, sure it does. Always will be the deciding factor. If they get Kerry Combs, let's say, because uh, Boston was talking about this earlier, if in fact they lure Kerry Combs back to the fold, so to speak. Sure. How much does that help? How much, in, in your opinion, he was a go-get-em recruiter. Oh, yeah. Uh, does that salve the wound? I mean, if, if the wound has to be salved by Wednesday. so Well, it's not, yeah. It's that, not going to happen. We're talking down the road. That's See, the problem. People I mean, may be listening to this three weeks later. I, if if Kerry Combs is, ends up being back into the fold with the Buckeyes, certainly his reputation as a recruiter, as a talent developer, I mean, he's the guy that, produced you know helped produce Marshawn Lattimore and, and Marcus Hooker or or Malik he recruited Marcus uh, Mal- yeah. Malik Hooker and uh, Eli Apple and Garyon Conley and all these guys right like his reputation speaks for itself he now has the NFL work on his resume so his resume is actually better than it was when he came from being a high school coach in Cincinnati yeah you know I mean it's like yes so you think about how well he recruited when that was all he had hey I'm Gary i Coach Dick well, Lorraine. Okay, neat. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So he had to go out and, and earn it. Um, obviously, it's important to Ryan Day that he's the guy. I, I mean, that's from the minute everything happened on Friday night uh, with Jeff Halfley, the name was Kerry Coombs. Like, that's that's it. So um, I, I think it's important not just for the recruiting standpoint, but it's also important for Ryan Day to be able to prove that he can get his guy. Yeah. And uh, because this is a – harbinger of things to come and all that but now he can brag that you're going to be being coached by a guy who's been in the nfl for a couple of seasons and And, and, and this is a harbinger of things to come like every year ohio state coaches are going to leave like yeah so ryan day has to be able to do what urban meyer did and prove hey i can go out and get a guy i can go out and get a dude to replace the dude i want to tell you man the toughest thing that 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 college major college head coaches do every year though is not recruiting it's repla- I mean, recruiting yeah. is tough. Yeah, it's, it's recruiting re- a new it's coach. It's replacing coaches. I remember when uh, Shelly Meyer, you know, was worried uh, after the 2014 season. I had wrote a story about it, uh, about you know how Urban Meyer had changed and things uh, from his Florida days. But you know, going into that uh, those playoffs in 2014, but the biggest thing he was going to face is how is he going to replace Tom Herman, who had been a hit. And uh, 
Tom Herman was going to be moving on after those playoffs. And you saw, man, Ohio State went through a little bit of a rocky it, road it there. It did not go well replacing <laughs> Tom Herman. But exactly. It, it, so It went pretty well when you had to replace Mike Vrabel. You may uh, have you may have a little list on a little pullout thing. You may have a list of guys you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to get yeah. them. And number two, that doesn't mean the guy that you end up getting is going to be a fit. So, you know, the great thing, if they can lure – Kerry Combs back into the fold is they know what he brings to the table, yep. and it's di- di- dynamism and uh, a lot of other things. It's you know when you lose Mike Vrabel, yeah, after the 2013 season, and, and he's the at that time the most popular recruiter on the staff far and away, even ahead of Kerry Combs at the, at that time. And then you replace him with Larry Johnson. Yeah, that right? was a sometimes you replace Tom Herman with not. But Tom. think about the happenstance. Think about the circumstance. You know, it's like it's like when Ohio State replaced. Um, well, Luke Fickle was the interim coach, but Urban Meyer sitting out there without a job, you know. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you have to get lucky. Yeah, you do have to but get sometimes lucky. Sometimes you have to have. An Larry Johnson was was ready to leave Penn State because right. they passed him over as a as a viable candidate for the head coaching job after all that turmoil over there, and uh, he was ready to move on and do other things. Sometimes you need luck. Sometimes you need an administration willing to to go on the line and, and put the money out there, and that's what they're going to need for Kerry Combs because. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons to stay coaching in the NFL. All right, real quick. This is my last question for you, and I always want want a two-word answer. Who will be the most impactful player? This is you forecasting. We'll all be chuckling about this in three years probably when we call this podcast can't give you a two-word answer. We'll call this podcast back up. my two-word answer is so contingent on Clark Phillips signing on Wednesday. Oh, there you go. Uh, Clark Phillips is the most important defensive recruit in this class. And Clark Phillips is the one recruit that we don't know if he's going to sign at this point. So Yeah. Well, see, move past that. I mean, because this has to have some shelf life. This is like Campbell's soup cans up in the, Taking you behind in the, the scenes, uh, folks. pantry. Give me one other guy that could have the biggest impact. Uh, could be three years from now people are talking about him. Wow, I remember when he signed on signing day, I knew this guy was going to be great. I'm Paris Johnson. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, that's about as succinct as it gets, and it – it is unbelievable to me that the guy called Frenchie picked a guy named Paris as his most impactful possible player other than Clark Phillips, if, in fact, Clark Phillips signed with his class. I believe it's Clark Felipe. Felipe. But uh, we'll be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, as Ohio State really zeroes in on Clemson, uh, its its opponent in the college football playoff semifinals in Phoenix. I'm looking forward to covering that game as well as Bermanology here. Jeremy Birmingham, I call him Frenchie, uh, Glue Man, and, of course, Boston. You call him Austin Ward. Uh, Letterman Rose going to have you covered just like it always does with scoops, et cetera, and then game day coverage. Uh, does Ohio State move on? We're gonna. It's going to be interesting. Ohio State right now is an underdog in the game. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, until next week, this is Tim May. Thanks for watching the Tim May Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.